Hello, Angie Gerber here, and welcome to my podcast, Awareness. Once you know, you can't unknow. A place you can come to start thinking and shifting your thoughts to finally create the results you truly, truly desire. It'll shift your mindset and give you strategies to get out there and get it done. Let's get started. So as a follow-up to the last podcast, I did a little bit more about my story. I was asked the question if I had ever tried to stop drinking before I uh, was successful. And I, I thought back, and I don't, I guess I just don't go back there that often. Um, and I thought about that too, <laughs> and why I don't go and connect to my past and think about it so much so often, only really when I'm asked or, you know, coming on here and talking about it more, is I thought maybe it's because I was running away from it, or I just wanted to forget it ever happened. And retrospect, and just kind of looking at it a little bit more, I think it's just because it's, it's no longer me. You know, it's some, it's someone, you know, that woman, was so in so much pain. And I just know I never want to, nor will I ever go back there. Um, and it's almost like you can obviously still feel the pain and it's emotional. And again, with all of the energy work I do and thinking into results to go to that energy level too much, you know, it's just not it's not going to do anything for me. It's not going to get me um, to where I want to go, and especially not from where I am today to where I intend to go. So I don't not think about it because I don't want to, you know, go back and relive it or give back or, you know, remember. It's just so far removed. It's almost like another lifetime of, you know, I'm just so not there anymore. You know, I don't, I don't struggle with the addiction side of it. I don't, you know, I'm in these Facebook groups or these different forums where women, like 10 plus years of sobriety still struggle every day, which you may have heard me mention. And it's just like, wow, you know, that's, and I commend them because that I can't, I can't imagine every day, consciously having to get through the day and have it be another day where I don't drink. I I go there's weeks that go by that I don't even think about it. It's not my go-to anymore. It's not my, you know, way of numbing and taking what's not working and just layer upon layer upon layer of just pushing it down. And as I said last week in the last episode, yeah, that's that's really what it is. It's just not facing what it is you need to face. And instead, you numb yourself so you don't have to look at the reality of the situation or have that hard conversation or do something you know that needs to be done, kind of take responsibility, face the music type stuff. So I uh I did actually. My the last drink I've I've t I ever took was on February 3rd, 2017. And it was that new year. So my New Year's thing was I'm going to stop drinking, <laughs> you know, and I did for 13 days. I didn't drink. And 
it wasn't until I got into, you know, the three months that I went to AA and I was in, um, they call it the first step. So you actually go into a different room than the main meeting. Uh, it's for newcomers like me that need a little bit more. I guess, specialized attention, or, you know, to hear from people that had a couple years under their belt of sobriety and just kind of really meet you where you were. Um, and it was so interesting, because it was in that room, again, where I I said things I'd, I'd never say out loud to, to anyone. I had isolated myself so much, I had layer upon layer upon layer pushed down all of what I should have been dealing with, whether it's in my finances, you know, in my profession, I'm a real estate agent, I did less than half of what I normally did. So again, financial, (laughs) uh, definitely in my, my marriage in, you know, I didn't see my friends anymore. I definitely wasn't the the best mother I could have been. So uh, bills weren't getting all that stuff. So, you know, it's, it's so interesting, because it was in that room, that I realized that I wasn't alone. And there were other people, again, that were were just uh, cr- crazy as I felt I was. So, uh, but there are two gentlemen, and they were older gentlemen. And they one had 25 years, and one had 28 years of sobriety. And they decided, um, you know, they're at a family function, or it was just that day. And they're like, okay, well, I'm going to go back out is what they call it. So they um, both talked about their experience with drinking again, after so many years thinking, well, it's been 25, 28 years, I'm sure to handle it. You know, I've stayed sober this, this long. So I got this. One said he was back to the day he quit drinking within a couple of weeks. And the other said it cl- took him closer to a month. But it was like, instant, like wake up the beast. And they were back to that day that they quit 25, 28 years before. And it got me thinking when I got that question asked, and I was just like, Oh, yeah, I did. Actually, I quit. I remember it was 13 days, um, that New Year's Eve. And and my husband went out of town, I believe, because he's a big ice fisherman. So I got a lot of alone time <laughs> when, with him, you know, gone doing his things, which I loved. That's one of the reasons why, you know, we, we clicked so well, because I got my independence and I could still do my stuff and he did his stuff. And, um, but he, he left and I was like, okay, well, it's been 13 days, <laughs> you know, superwoman over here. I can have one. And man, did that start that started the spiral. Like, I think it was like two weeks of just madness. That's when it was at its worst was just those two weeks. I mean, the binging, what happened. And it wasn't until again, I got into that first step room and I listened to those gentlemen that it kind of made a little bit of sense looking back on all of that because you know, though I don't struggle with it every day, and there are some people that do. And though I consider myself not, I consider myself recovered, not in recovery, because of that, there's still and why it's a disease and why, you know, there are different sayings and people show up in different ways at different, you know, meetings or don't, um, is that it's a beast. 
It's a beast that lives inside of you. And I, and I know that it doesn't go away. And I know that, you know, it, perfect example, 25, 28 years, I can have one drink. Well, no, you can't. <laughs> so I think it's in going back to those, you know, couple weeks before I, I quit for good that, oh man, I just remember some of the things I did, some of the choices I made, how out of control I felt. And it's, it's just one of those things where why, why would I ever even, I was talking to someone I'm really close to about this yesterday. And I'm like, again, there's not an amount of money, there's not an experience, there's not a material item that you could provide me with that would get me to take a drink. It's just not worth it for me. I mean, it's it cost me almost everything. Again, I was days in within days, I know, of losing everything that mattered to me. So why would I ever risk doing that again? And yet so many people do. And what is what is the difference? Again, what is the Kopi mechanisms? How can we solve this problem? And I don't know. You know, is it solvable? I think absolutely. I think that people just need to try what works best for them or what feels right in the moment. You know, like I said, I went to AA for three months. I was told to do it for 90 days and I'm a rule follower. So I did. And it absolutely saved my life and did everything for me. And then again, again, it got heavy. And I know that some people are pro AA all the way. I mean, my dad still goes to his meeting after 40 some years every Monday night. I get it. And I think that works well. Uh, for p- some people, and yet other people, it doesn't. So what do you do if if it doesn't work for you? Where do those people go? You know, how do they get their help? And if you happen to be one of those people or know one of those people, you know, that's, that's, that's my people. <laughs> that's the ones that, you know, reach out if I can be helping in any way or get you resources or, you know, what changed for me was my perspective. It was understanding and taking these blinders that I had you know, put around my face and really just getting a different perspective, getting a different understanding, coming out of the self-isolation I had thrown myself into and just almost living again. That's that's really what changed it for me. And it's really hard to do that. And it's really hard to do that alone. Um, and another thing that just keeps coming up over the years of of my sobriety is I'm a real estate agent. And it's so I mean, everywhere I go, I talked to a woman last week when I was doing a video for coaching, uh, goal setting for EXP, my brokerage for their level up program. And we EXP just had a big conference in Vegas, a week or two before that. And she's like, yeah, I told her a little bit about my story before we got, you know, started, made sure that it was a fit. And she's like, wow, you know, that's, it just keeps coming up. You don't know how many people, how many agents came up to me. And that was just part of it, part of what they're going through. And I had some of other real estate agents that coach other agents as well. And probably 80% of the agents she coached, that was a thing you know, alcohol just got in the way, you know, they do this and do that. And it's, it's just rampant. 
And I'm sure it's not just, you know, to real estate or real estate agents, but the the woman I was talking with yesterday, she's like, you know, we talked about it. And then um, she circled back a little bit later. And she's like, I was thinking about that. She's like, and I just wonder if it's, you know, because there's stress in every job, there's stress, stress in every relationship, there's, you know, you're not going to go through life without having your ups and downs and having to, you know, work through a lot of different things. But she said, I wonder if it's, you know, I'm at a nine to five job where I don't even sometimes leave my desk for lunch, you know, so I don't have that opportunity. But maybe it's because, you know, agents have so much freedom. You know, they she's like, because way back in the day, when I got my first house, um, we went out for a drink. That's the first thing our agent did was bring us out, you know, wrote up the contract, had some drinks celebrated, whatnot. And she's like, so I can see that And in her friends that are agents. It just revolves around that so much. So um, I don't know. That's just something that came up over, you know, in the last couple of days since I recorded my last podcast and I found it, I found it interesting. Um, it just keeps coming up. And again, it's not just to that industry. It's, I'm sure, um, very widely spread, uh, but just something worth noting. Um, another thing that came up, uh, over this last week since I've last uh, talked with you all was I had a agent uh, who I joined EXP with. She came in from out of town and she'd share something that just broke broke my heart. And I think that because so much, so many of us over the last couple of years and what we've been through have self-isolated ourselves. Um, I can't imagine having gone through like COVID and quarantine if I was still drinking and what that would have looked like if I could have isolated, had to have been isolated and done it even more, it would have been disastrous. But, um, and it doesn't even have to do, it doesn't even have to be with alcohol. I think that the uncertain times we're in and what happened over the past couple of years, it's just really messed with a lot of people. Um, and she mentioned, she said, I have four, four sons between the ages of 19 and 26. Don't quote me. I believe that's the number. Those are the numbers. And she said, between my four sons over the last two years, there have been 19 suicides. I mean, what the F? Seriously, 19. I'm just going to let that sit there for a minute because that just astounded me. And I'm like, whoa, you know, and it doesn't even have to be with any certain substance. It doesn't have to be, you know, with, with alcohol or with opiates or with, you know, gambling, all the addictions. It, it's sex, porn, you know, you hear, you hear about them all, work. Some people are addicted to work. I mean, the mental stability and the mental health of so many people that we know has drastically gone down. She said that these young people, you know, in their early 20s, they're lost. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. They want something different, but they don't know what it is because of just everything, um, how they grew up and, and what they know and don't know. And so I just, I wanted to 
come on today and just mention this and go in a little bit deeper and just really encourage you to look around. Look around, and if you haven't seen that friend for a while, reach out to them. Or if someone's like name or face pops in your head, please call them. I mean, we really need to do a much better job of slowing down, checking in on one another, taking the time to ask, how, how are you? You know, what's going on? Ask questions that they have to answer, not yes and no questions. Like, what's what's one thing if you could change? What would you change? Or what would you make better? You know, and just get people to really start talking to one another. And more importantly, listen. Don't listen to solve necessarily. Listen with an open heart. Listen to understand, not to hear and respond. I think that's so very important, and especially with coaches. I see it all the time. They'll cut people off as they're talking. They'll um, answer for them, or they'll just like shut them down, and that's not helpful at all. What you want to do is have the heart of someone that's there to try to understand, that wants to understand, that intends to understand, and listen. And from there you know, see where it goes. But I just really, 19 suicides in two years of people between the ages of 19 and 26 in one family. What? Wow. And if that doesn't alarm you, I don't know. It should. <laughs> That's all I'm going to, I'm going to should, should, should. I'm going to should on you. It should. It should alarm you. So watch out for one another. Know that everyone you come in contact with is fighting their own battle, big or small. Every single person that is walking this earth is fighting their own battle. So quit comparing yourself to the top 10, 5% maybe of people's lives that they're posting on social media. Quit feeling inferior, quit feeling like you need more or you don't have enough, you know, that you're missing out the FOMO and all of that, that the society is creating and just know that people more than ever need each other right now. And um, yeah, just check on, check on, make it, make it a goal of yours to check on three people this week, maybe do one a week, one a day, whatever that looks like for you. But we we really need to show up at a much higher level for each other. And um, listen, listen to understand, not to hear and respond. It will go a long way, I can guarantee it. So till next time, make it a good one and uh, love one another. And yeah, just reach out and say hi to someone. It's been too long. Make sure that's where you want to start with that person. Take care. Thanks for spending some time with me today. And if you like what you heard, feel free to share, like, subscribe, follow, do whatever it is you do. I'd love to get this out to as many people as possible because it truly all does start with awareness. Once you know, you cannot unknow and it changes everything. 
And of course, if I can help in any way, I'm here and happy to do so. Until next time, make it a good one.